Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Let's go. Wow. Episode 31. This is... It's awesome. Every week I every week I do this episode to the best thirty one to ever play the game of soccer. The best thirty one that's ever played the best number thirty best number thirty one. Oh, best number thirty one. I don't know. There's only one guy I know. Bastian Bastian Schweinsteiger. Listen, you're two letters away from having a fantastic name. Yeah, (laughs) Sebastian Schweinsteiger. That might be the only joke <laughs> that's ever been made about that guy, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, he ended up retiring in what? At Chicago, right? Yeah, Shottown. Before they had changed all their logos, when they were, their logo was still red, now it's yeah. all blue. And they were, they were Bayer. The only reason why he went is because they still had Bayern Munich colors. Yeah. Hey, it was, listen, part, of the, it was part of the agreement. So there's an affiliate agreement there. At least they never played for uh, for feet or FT or whatever the Toronto is going to be called now. Oh, uh, club feet. the foot, club the foot, club the foot, club the foot, man. That's uh, that's interesting. But yeah, ba- Bastian Schweinsteiger. All right, shout out to him. This one's going out to to good old Bastian. Um, so Dwayne, rec registrations open on Monday. For Middletown Rec, uh, also our Discovery Program registration is open, and Kent County. The Kent County, this is hot off the press. Kent County just opened their registration. Just opened up. We are breaking the news. Twenty minutes ago. We are breaking the news. Uh, Break and, if the news and if you're listening to this on Sunday, we broke the news on Friday. Yeah. Um. So yeah, rec registration is open everywhere from the Dover area to the Middletown area to be affiliated with Delaware union, sign your kids up, right? It's going to be a great spring season. Um, and you don't have to live in Middletown or Dover to sign up. Yeah. You can live in Smyrna, Camden, Felton, bear, bear, Odessa, Townsend, Galena, Galena, Maryland, Chestertown, Cecil, wherever, wherever, Cecil. You, wherever you are. We got you covered. Yeah, Delaware you can, Union. Delaware you can, Union can can shout out to up. my player. Shout out to my player that played that lived in Millsboro and played rec last fall in Middletown. See, there you go. So yeah, rec registration is open. Open yeah. for ages. Discovery is what two years old to three. Yeah, two or three years old. Yeah, two or three the, years old when you were born. All the way up to boys' high school. It's open, so anybody's able to sign up, no matter what experience you have. Um, you know, sign up, check it out, um, ask questions if you have questions. We're here to support you if you have questions about, obviously, the pandemic going on and what safety guidelines we have. We have safety measures in place, but yeah, invite people, invite a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a friend's friend. Let's make this the best spring season ever. Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, you can always find that at DelawareUnion.com. Uh, also, you can find all the up-to-date information on Facebook.com slash DelawareUnion, Instagram at DelawareUnionSoccer, on Twitter at DUnionSoccer. Go in there, get us a like, follow us, 
Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us a comment. Give us a rating. Uh, give us a suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Follow our brand new Delaware Union Union or Delaware Union Diamonds account at the DE Union Diamonds on Twitter and on Facebook for our UWS uh, women's team that we will be launching this summer. And we'll talk more about the UWS in a little bit. But before that, Duane, um, when you were a freshman in college, uh, did you by any chance uh, belong to a board of a nonprofit organization? Absolutely. It was not even a thought process. Did you, uh, were you in the process of writing a book? I could have written a book. But were you? Huh? But were you? Were you playing for a a pro-am team? No. Well, we're we're hopefully going to learn a lot. Uh, So our guest today is Emily Eitzman who is from Michigan. She is our first Michigan uh, guest. So we're really excited about that uh, as, as Dwayne's repping his Michigan uh, stuff on. Um, Emily, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Emily, this is going to be so much fun. Uh, I got to watch your interview on the UWS weekly show. And um, from the moment I watched it, I was like, all right, I texted Dwayne. I was like, all right, I, I got our next guest. Like, I want to reach out to her. I want to get her on the podcast. I think this is going to be so much fun, mostly because she is doing things that uh, I don't know many other people are doing, especially at her age. Uh, so you're a freshman at Michigan. Yes. All right. And you've been, you're a board member at the Mighty Oaks Youth Project. Yeah. Tell me what that is in it. How in the world, as a as a senior in high school going into a freshman in college, you're on the board of an organization? Because that's awesome. Yeah, so I got involved with the Mighty Oak during my, it was the end of the summer after my junior year. Um, I started playing for AFC towards the end of my junior year. Coach Boise Kamala was one of my travel coaches for a couple of years when I was younger. So he told me that AFC was forming a women's team and asked if I would be interested in trying out. He forgot that I was in high school, not college, but it was something I really wanted to do. So I worked it out with my principal and teachers so that I could play at the AFC practices during the school day. So that was really great. And throughout the season, um, Bilal Saeed, he's one of the co-owners. He held a lot of social events and volunteer events for us to participate in. And I thought that those were really um, just awesome opportunities to give back and get involved with the community. So I went to all of those. And um, Bilal could just really sense I was really passionate about giving back and interacting with my community. So at the end of the season, he asked if I'd be interested in being on the board of the Mighty Oak Youth Project. And he told me about their mission and everything. He thought it really aligned with my goals and that I would be a good fit. So the board members voted to add me to the board, and I've been a member ever since. And we basically work to provide underprivileged kids opportunities in life, and we kind of use soccer as an outlet to do that that's awesome um that is absolutely fantastic so one of one of the things you've been involved with and we'll get to we'll get to your playing your playing career because i think there's some there's some really cool things in there but before we get into that so one of the things you were doing as a as an afc player um 
you were involved in the community kicks, which is an organization that got formed off of that. Um, and one of the things that I thought was, was really interesting as I was researching for this is that one of the things you guys have been doing was working on establishing good nutrition foundation for, for youth. So how important is that? And, and how is that, how has that impacted how you see the world in general? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm very passionate about nutrition. And I think, you know, obviously not just for athletes, it's important for everyone to take care of their bodies so we can, you know, live our best lives. And I think that, especially as um, a young person, I think not only your body is growing and developing at a pretty, um, you know, maybe like at a faster rate, but I think that at that age, you're really forming your lifestyle and some of the life habits that you're going to carry with you throughout the rest of your life. So I think that it's um, critical for kids to be taught, you know, how to eat healthy and to also be taught that, you know, it's not like a chore, a chore, eating healthy can, that can taste really, really good. So I think that it's just important to keep, teach kids valuable things when they're young. And I think um, nutrition is definitely something that we need to teach our kids. So that's definitely one of the things I really liked about community kicks. We not only, um, you know, teach them about soccer and things like that, but we teach them things like nutrition that will really carry them throughout their lives, whether they, you know, continue to play soccer or not. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. And and it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, one of the things that that we talk about all the time is we look at soccer and we, we want to focus on a lot of the, the, the foundation, the technique, the technique and the technical, technical and even tactical aspects of the game. But when we look at the physical or the psychosocial aspects of the game, we tend to forget that the kids go home and they have a life at outside of the soccer field. And we need to find a way to at times impact for the good, what they do at home. So it's really good that, that you're able to, that you're able to do that. How has it been in the, in the pandemic world that we're still going through to still be able to get out to the community and be a part of that? Yeah, it's obviously been more difficult, but, um, especially like through community kicks, we were able to do a lot over the summer. We, I was one of the virtual soccer coaches. So I made some videos that kids would be able to use at their homes, you know, when um, in-person events were not happening. And also um, over the summer, community kicks was able to distribute like over 30,000 lunch bags to kids. So, um, you know, going off of nutrition, I mean, that was just such a huge impact that we were able to make. And especially during the pandemic, it can be harder to make impacts like these but it's almost you know it's almost more important during times like these people really need help so it's been um more difficult to uh do the things we usually do but we've still been able to make um really big impacts and i i think that's 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 key you know duane duane works at uh an elementary school that and he, he works in an after school program that's grant funded and it helps um kids in need and i think one of the things that you know, we, we forget and we, we look at soccer as a, as an avenue to for good. And it, and it is, and at times we, we tend to do things abroad, right? We tend to look at how we can help the world or how we can, how as Americans, we go abroad and go, how, how am I going to be able to help um, a, a different country that, that might need our help where we sometimes forget that there's people that need help within our country. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You know, food insecurity is something that that happens in this country, um, and the fact that you've been able to use your your platform and and not only that, the the sport as a vehicle to to provide that is is amazing. So, um, 
if I wanted to write a book, I don't know that I would know the first thing to do. Uh, a, I would I would need to make sure I had a computer in front of me because I would never handwriting something. Uh, but if I I wouldn't know where to begin. Uh, but you not only have begun it, you're in like the like last stages of writing a book. So tell us about that entire process and how one day you decided I'm going to write a book. Yeah, um, I've always really been interested in, well, I love writing. And then, like I, I said earlier, I think it's really important to teach kids some valuable lessons when they're young. So um, given those two things, I've always been really interested in writing children's books. And um, just over the summer, you know, I was talking to my peers a lot about just everything happening and like school being canceled and no um, normal graduation or prom and no like sports and things like that. And I just noticed that, you know, there were some people who were um, just able to make more to get more out of the extra time that they were given. And there were people who were really dwelling on these past missed events and um, pretty desperately waiting for the future. And, um, you know, like, obviously, I wish this pandemic never happened. So many lives have been lost and there's just been so much suffering and so many um, hardship placed in our society. But I did notice that there were people who were able to. Um, get a lot more out of what was happening than others. So um, I went, I really wanted to give back during this time because so many people were struggling. And I thought that this would be kind of a good time to write a children's book and teach kids the importance of having a positive outlook and just um, a strong attitude during times like these. So I started writing the book and the book is about a girl who isn't, you know, is not happy with the pandemic and the switch to online school. And she really struggles emotionally with the whole transition. So she kind of just has to learn how to overcome this. And the moral is basically that um, you can't change the events in your life and what happens to you, but you can change the attitude that you have about them. So I think that's a pretty important thing for kids to learn early on. And uh, it's the book is planning to be released sometime later this spring, but I'm really excited about it. Put me down for a, uh, put me down. I was going to say, if, <laughs> if it's, if it's a children's book, put me down for like 20 copies. Yeah, I'm 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 all for it. Uh, listen, I have a young daughter and a young son that that have basically. I mean, my son learned how to walk in the pandemic, so that's uh, so he's he's he he doesn't know. Uh, and even my daughter's going going through a, a world where she thinks it's it's normal to wear a mask. Um, so definitely an interesting perspective on it. And you know, when we talk about it, um, and I coach and I coach girls soccer mostly. We talk about the the big the, the only thing you get to control is is yourself. You know, there's a lot of things you can't control in a game or in life, but the one thing you always get to control is is your attitude and handle how you handle the experience. Um, so, are we talking? Are we talking pictures? Are we talking chapters? What are, what are we talking here? Yeah, it's a picture book. I have an illustrator working on it, and then oh, the- right up my alley. Love those guys. Yeah, this is yeah. My, it might need 25 copies. Yeah. Give me, can we, can we hear? All right. So a couple of things since consider, I'm going to put you on the spot uh, since we're recording this and it's clearly uh, all going to be non-edited and just sent out to the world. Can we, um, two things. One, can I get a signed copy once it's released? Can I get a signed copy to my kids? Of course you can get a signed Perfect. copy. Perfect. And then I'm going to go a stop. I'm going to go a step further can we get uh can delaware union buy a few signed copies for us to give away to our players oh my gosh yes definitely let's do it we're gonna we're gonna do it uh emily's gonna sign them 
we're gonna we're gonna find a way to give them away to some of our players. And after the pandemic, we may have a book signing event. Yes, we are. We may we may we might put the pressure on you and have a book signing event. Yes, I would love yeah. that. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think um, I I don't know if we can f- set up some sort of uh, uh, AFC and Air and Arbor uh, scrimmage against our Delaware and Diamonds. Uh, but I don't know. You know, the travel might be a little bit of an issue. Um, considering Michigan's somewhat far away uh, mm-hmm. from Delaware, it's about a ten-hour trip. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a hike. But we might be able to make it work. Yeah. Load up, we'll load up the school bus. There you go. We'll get a school bus. We'll we'll load up in there and then uh, we'll set up a match. But but yeah. So count us in for once that's released. Let me know. We'll we'll get some copies. Uh, if you sign some, we'll we'll give them to some of our from our kids and then uh, we'll go from there. We will promote the mess out of your book. <laughs> Thank you so much. All your sales are going to be like mid Atlantic sales. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh man, Emily's really killing it in Delaware. Like, why is why is all my sales on this side of the United States? Like, why am I not selling so good in Michigan? Like, why is it like ninety nine percent over here? It's it's just Dwayne it's and like Sebastian because we're so small. Yeah, it's Dwayne and Sebastian just buying all the books. Um, that's awesome. That's that's really cool. I think so. You know, as you're doing all these things, um, you have an illustrator. Which, again, if I I I didn't I didn't even know I wouldn't know what to do. We need an illustrator. Let's put. We it need right an illustrator. I I. An illustrator. If you ever if you ever come back with a second book, part two of your book, and it's all about stick figures, uh, let let me know. I'm I'm in for that one. Okay. Um, so so you still have the time to to do all those things. Find an illustrator. Write a book. Be part of multiple organizations. Help people. And through all that, you're still a student. How do you do it? Yeah, I think it's definitely not easy sometimes, especially this semester. I have a uh, a much heavier course load. I just got a job at the hospital, and I'm still I've been doing research in a lab too. And like, I have a lot of <laughs> I have a lot Wait, of. Hold on, hold on. Let's, how many hours? How many hours do you have in your day? Does Michigan work in it like a 26 hour day instead of a 24 hour day? Do you have an extra day of the week? <laughs> no, I don't. So, but, so you just got a job because you're just like, ah, it's all right. I got more time. Right. And let me do some research. I got an extra five minutes here. Let me let me let me do research job. at a hospital. All right. So tell us about that. Um. Yeah, I've been doing the research. Um. So my my job, I became a patient attendant at the hospital, which has been really fun. And I've been doing the research since last semester. I work with doc Dr. Nadia Sutton is a um. Cardia, she works with her. We're studying vascular aging in the lab, and right now we're working on. Um, well, actually, probably shouldn't say too much about the research before it's published, but right now we're working on um, looking into the drug rapamycin. It's, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but we're just trying to see, look at the um, effects that it has in prolonging lifespan, which has been really exciting. And you still go to school? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what are you majoring in? Um, I'm planning to major in neuroscience and minor in <laughs> minor in creative writing. All right. I mean, listen, Emily, we need to find a way to have more people like you in this world. So you um, have a job. You're majoring in neuroscience, which isn't just like 
oh, I'm majoring in English, I'm majoring in history, it's neuroscience. So you have like labs and harder science courses to take. But as a, on the side, I'm just going to do a creative writing minor. Yeah. And I'm going to write a book. Listen, that the only other person that I've known that has that a similar background still in soccer is coach Ian Hennessy from the University of Delaware, who has a PhD in neuroscience or or something similar to that. Um, so th- that's the closest thing I've ever known to. But listen, I think, again, like I said, I think we need more people like you in this world. Um, you find a way and I'm hoping that uh, and based on what you said that your your book's about. Um, you find a way to in a world where where there's a lot of negative, especially these last almost a year, you find a way to turn your life and not only turn your life or just keep your life into an extreme positive, and you find a way to maximize every minute of the day. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's yes. that's really that is really cool. All right. Well, on top of all of that, you are a soccer player as well. Mm-hmm. So um, you were the youngest player to ever score a goal for AFC in Ann Arbor as a 17-year-old, still in high school. And you mentioned that you—that's when you when you started playing on that team. Mm-hmm. How are you looking forward to next year? Clearly, you de- you didn't have a season last year of the summer. Are you looking forward to this to, to the, being able to play again this year? Yeah, I'm. Oh my gosh, I'm looking forward to being able to play again so much. Last year was just such an amazing experience. And especially now that I have not been on a team for the past couple of months, I've pretty much just been, you know, renting out the local gym and playing there whenever I can um, by myself. So, I mean, more than ever, I, I cannot wait for the season. That's awesome. And then one of the players on your team, which I think is super interesting. Um, again, you, you end up researching somebody and then you kind of go down a rabbit hole and then you go on these little different tangents of it. But you are sharing the field with somebody that has a ton of experience in soccer, not only here, but internationally, and also has had their jersey retired from Florida State, Mami Yamaguchi. How, how is that experience like? Yeah, I was so honored to be able to play with her. I played for the Hawks throughout high school, and she was actually, she came and started helping out with coaching during that. So. Um, I don't, oh my gosh, to be able to share the field with her was just so amazing. And she's just such a uh, smart player and so hardworking. And obviously it shows with her history that she's really um, a very advanced player. So I was so excited to, when I heard that she was also on the team, it was just an awesome experience to play with her. Yeah. For those of you out there listening who, who don't know who Mama Yamaguchi is, you need to go look her up. Uh, first player and I think believe only only player to ever have her jersey retired from uh, from Florida State. So make sure you go look up some of her highlights because um, she she's she's amazing. Um, I've been on so, that Florida State chain lately. I, I mean, Florida I women's soccer, right? I mean, listen, if there if there if there's a connection, I, I don't I, I have a little bit of a connection with some of my my former players. I haven't played there, too. Um, I don't know why, but just, just, yeah, I guess my, so, so, if, so, when my wife so hears this, I'm gonna, it, right? when my, when my wife listens to this, I'm going to hear about it. De- she is definitely not a, not a Seminoles fan, but, um, having grown, having grown up in South Florida, definitely UF and, and FSU were not the places that we, uh, 
we apparently rooted for. I don't know. I never, I never had that. So I, 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 I enjoy everybody. I, I'm happy with everybody in Florida. Um, as long as I don't have to live there, I'm good. Um, so what kind of player are you? Uh, are, are you, uh, so considering you're, you're the youngest player to ever score a goal, I'm assuming you're an, an attacking player. Yes. All right. So, uh, what what do you what can we so if we were to tune into a game this year or or Dwayne and I just take magically just take a trip to go pick up our books instead of having them delivered, uh what what can we expect from Emily on the field? Yeah, last year for AFC I did do a lot of center forward, but my favorite position is definitely outside mid. I really like having all that space to run up and down and like crossing and things like that. But um, yeah, so I guess I'd just be found. I so I also do play like outside back sometimes. I just kind of like being on the outside of the field and just being able to see everything. But that's where I usually am. Let everybody else do the dirty work. We yeah. definitely listen. We definitely need more people like you in the world. You do all these things, and on top of that, you clearly enjoy running. Uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely, uh, definitely need more people like you in this world. Uh, I think if we can, if we can find a way for you to meet with some of our players at some point, and not only talk to her, talk to them about your life, but also talk to them about how awesome running is to you, uh, maybe that'll that'll get them to enjoy running more. Um, I got a player you can connect with on the O three girls team. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we have as you. <laughs> yeah, we have a few. Yeah, uh-huh, absolutely. All right, so before we wrap up. Uh, we ask this question to every single person that comes on our podcast because we think it's really cool to hear about this, uh, the history or or how they connect to soccer. But who are your three favorite soccer players? Yeah, so I think my the two that first come to mind are um, actually Megan Rapino and Tobin Heath from the women's national team. Just because I know growing up, um, you know, like I said, outside mid has always been my favorite position. And watching them when they played there, I just really liked their styles and I always just um loved watching them play and wanted to be like them and then when I was thinking about a third one the the next person I actually thought of was Knox Cameron he was the co-founder of AFC and he was actually my old soccer coach for a long time but he played for a number of teams and one thing that um always stood out to me when I watched him play for like Detroit FC and AFC was just how composed he was as he played and he just seems like such a smart player and I definitely always wanted to take after the way he played in that way and overall i mean he was just a great mentor and he just inspired me in every dimension of life that's awesome that's really cool to hear well emily it it has been an absolute uh pleasure to have you on the podcast today we've had a ton of fun uh Mm -hmm. we've definitely learned a lot um i definitely know if i ever want to write a book you're going to be the first person i call to basically say hey i thought about this idea do you want to write the book um and also, if I ever need an illustrator, I can I yeah. can always. You got an illustrator guy. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> there, so, <laughs> uh, so you're you're good. Uh, perfect. Um, well, Emily, thanks so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we would definitely want to have you on again as soon as the book comes out. Um, do you have a title for the book? I think I I don't think I asked you that question. Um, it's called Quarantina. <laughs> Her name is Tina, and it's the adventures um, of Tina in. Quarantine. I think I was going to actually change the name to um, Dash Elementary. It's it's kind of like a take on Zoom, just because I think it might fit the storyline of the switch. I see where you're going there. I like that. I like that. (laughs) 
Listen, we're workshopping. Trendy. We're workshopping. Dwayne and I are trying to get a credit on the book. So uh, if we can help you I workshop. Don't, no, 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 no. This is, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to spend the money on the book. I don't want a credit. No, I'll still spend the money on the book. I just, you know. I, just you give know, me a just, shout out on the last page. Like small yeah, print. just on the last page. Very small print. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, no, that's awesome. Uh, so either, you know, Dash Elementary or, or Quarantina, we, we look forward to, to reading it for sure. Um, so thanks so much, Emily. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. All right. So, Duane, we were just talking to Emily about the fact that she plays on a UWS team. We are launching the Delaware Union Diamonds this summer in the UWS League Two. And yesterday, on January 28th, what an announcement that was released by the UWS and then an ISA. So the NISA is the National Independent Soccer Association. So that's a men's men's league that okay. plays. The UWS is United Women's Soccer. That's a league we're a part of. They just announced that they are putting together, they are combining forces to form the second women's professional league in this country. That's awesome. That's real awesome. Um, I think that, I mean, part of it becomes just identifying that there is a need for additional women's programs. Like, it's not always about the men. Um, So I think that's a pretty good initiative going along with, you know, who's the last U.S. team to win the World Cup? The women, right? Right. The last U.S. team to win an Olympic medal? Women. Women, right? So... Going along with that train, a lot of girls, I think the curve is spiked up. A lot of girls are playing soccer, getting into soccer at younger ages. So, you know, continuing the trend to allow pathways going forward, you know, after college, after high school. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I, I listened to an interview yesterday with Joe Ferrara, who's one of the co-founders with Francisco Cleves and Roberto Aguas. And I, and I also listened to Stephanie Cleves, who is the executive director for for the league and somebody we we've spoken with before and somebody we hope to have is on the podcast in the in the coming weeks. And one of the things they said is their their league is it, as far as what I've understood and interpreted from what they were mentioning in their in their interview, they're not here to comp- compete with the NWSL. They're right. they're not trying to compete with the NWSL. They actually want the NWSL to be the top the top league in the country what they want to do is be able to provide an, an avenue or an opportunity for players that, for example, the draft happened a couple of weeks ago. What about the players that don't get drafted? Right. What about the players that, that get cut from those teams that don't make it past year one? What about the players that finish high school or finish college and don't have the ability to go into the draft or don't go into the draft? What about those players, you know, that want to continue to still play soccer and, we talk about development in, in women's soccer or in soccer in general as being in the later stages of your life. So the idea, we spoke about this with Linda, I believe, you know, this idea that at 22 years old, you're done. Your, your career is, is over. Um, it, it's a little crazy. But then you turn on the TV, you got a guy on the Premier League that's 26, 27, who's just now figuring things out, right? Right. I mean, it, well, we actually spoke about this with Ashley Lair from U.S. Club because of what she does as well. Um, but look at goalkeepers, right? So goalkeepers don't mature into what? They're 28 to 30? 
Yeah, there's a when they start hitting their prime. Yeah, because as a goalkeeper, as a 22 year old goalkeeper, you don't know anything. Right, still a boy, right? Because you look at some of these goalkeepers that are like beefed up, like you got to put on that grown man weight. (laughs) Yeah. So when we're looking at it from a women's soccer perspective, you got 11 teams. I mean, if if we if we wanted to do some quick math, right? 11 teams of 22. 11 teams of let's just say you got reserve players, you got 30 players, 30, right? 300 players. You're talking about 330 players. Out of how many how many D one colleges offer women's soccer, right? It's probably an astronomical number. Uh, I believe the number's three hundred and something too, as well. So you're talking about one player from every team. Like that that averages out to one player from every college, right? And every college, not trying to knock Dell State, but Dell State is not putting women's players in the NWSL, right? Right, or or think about the fact that, or let's just take it a step further, right? So you're looking at the look at the draft from this year. North Carolina had two top five picks in the draft. UCLA, (laughs) Stanford, right? So so like, so the so the the need for women's soccer to grow in this country at beyond the age of of 22, 23, maybe 24 max from a college perspective, or what about the players that out of high school? Maybe maybe need it maybe need a year to adjust before they go to college, you, right? Right. Or or what about a player that wants to try something different? Like there there's got to be a different way to the there's got to be a different pathway, or there has to be more opportunities offered to the pathway. And I think this combination between the UWS and the NISA is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean the U. I, I like the UWS because it's like it's a. I mean it's going to be a competitive environment when the whistle blows and the game starts, right? But it's not, it's not like an overbearing league. It's not a relegation promotion league. Like it's just a league. Not only that, you like, want to talk about development. UWS twenty nineteen UWS championship MVP. You know who that was? No idea. Macario. Katarina Macario. Katarina Macario. Who just scored her first U.S. women's national team goal. That's that's right. Like 30 seconds into the game. Yep. Hey. I mean, you're talking about development, right? There it is. That's what I'm saying. Like, you look at a player, you may have a player that comes into your team, right, that says, hey, I didn't want to go play in college. It was overbearing, right? Like, it was too much. Like, I, I just wanted to be a student. Yeah. And they play here and realize, hey, maybe I actually want to play, but I just want to make sure I play in the right system. Well, not only that, what if you, what if you're like, let's, let's be realistic, right? What if you want to go to the university of North Carolina, but you're not in the top, what? 1% of youth soccer players that can make it or the top half percent or whatever. Well, you wanted to go to the university of North Carolina and you weren't on an ECNL team or a girls Academy team. Right. Right. Like, well, let's just say you wanted to go there because you got a full scholarship from an academics perspective and you live 10 minutes down the road. Right. What, what do you do now? Right. So I, I think this opens up this opens up opportunities across the entire country. Um, you know, the UWS started in 2016 with only 11 teams and now has grown to over 70 clubs that are a part of it. Um, and, and it's just, I mean, look at the, look at our conference that we're going to be a part of the mid Atlantic conference that we're going to be a part of when we joined in, we were going to be the fifth team. And now there's six teams in the conference spanning three different States. 
Yeah. And so, that's, that's this year, right? We, we look at this interview a year from now, we're probably, you know, where it gets out, people see things. There's probably two more teams that get added, right? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really excited for the, for the, for the growth of this league. I'm excited for what it could potentially mean for Delaware. Yeah. Or for this area in general. I think, you know, I've been asking the question for, for years since I've lived here. Why is there no professional team? I get it. We have the Washington spirit, but it's like saying DC United is the closest MLS team you have, right? It becomes a little bit far. That Obviously, having the, having the Philadelphia Union, right? But having the Philadelphia Union feels like home. So maybe maybe it's time for, for us to, to find a way to get Delaware its first professional women's soccer team. Absolutely. I'm down Listen, for it. we're the first state. Let's get the first women's team in this in this state. Let's go. That's part of the that's part of the plan. We're the first hey, listen, we're the first UWS team in the state. I mean, if we want to be the first, we can we shoot for the stars, right? That's right. That's uh, what Emily said, right? Yeah, that's right. Hey, listen, listen, if Emily has enough time to uh be a researcher, go to school, write a book, be part of two organizations, and still play then we got time to to try to help women's soccer in this in this state. I probably have to just wake up two hours earlier every day. You might. <laughs> you you might. You might. Um but yeah so we're we're really excited for the opportunities for that. Um you know we we get I get to be a part of the AGM for the UWS next Tuesday. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to to being a part of that and hoping that I get more information because we're going to put together a um, um, an info session for the, the Delaware Union Diamonds to talk about what the season is going to entail because people don't really know about it. It's it's a lot going on, um, so people don't people are, have questions. So we want to be, give them the opportunity to ask those questions before we have our tryouts. So really looking forward to that. All right. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which we didn't really get to talk about last week, but we we ended up with a little more time this week, was this European Super League. Money grab. I mean, holy moly. I, I it's so so for anybody that out there listening that doesn't know what we're talking about, and we and again when we talk about development, we find the, the other things on the other side of the spectrum that clearly don't don't have anything to do with development at all. Um, But Barcelona and Real Madrid have come together uh, and, and it all started with Florentino Perez, who is the Real Madrid president. He has wanted to start his own um, uh, league. Basically they, they want to best clubs. Yeah. Best clubs in Europe, so it's only three teams from Europe, from Bar- uh, from Spain, one team from France, six teams from England, three teams from Italy, and two teams from Germany. For a total, yeah. I believe, of fifteen or sixteen teams. Um, and not only that, they also have a bank, um, and I forget which which bank it is. I think it's Capital Financial or or one of these big banks or something like that, that is apparently wanting to put up like billions with a B billions of dollars for prize money and like just incentives to be a part of this league. Uh, but 
FIFA and the six confederations have come together and said, no, you're not doing this. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, you kill your development there. Um, we they, they, Super League. they have basically said that if you if you do this, uh, you will no longer be a part of some of our competitions. Not only that. Um, participate the World Cup. Yeah, they will ban players. If you're, they're a part of these teams, they will not be able to participate in the World Cup. FIFA has gone out with a statement that said the only club, um, international club competition that FIFA recognizes is their club World Cup, which they're looking to expand. Obviously, the Champions League is a UEFA league. Same thing with the with the uh, Europa League. So yeah, so it's an interesting development. Um, you know, especially in a pandemic world where where you're seeing clubs and, and places struggle, the fact that there's money or that kind of money to be thrown around to the top 15 clubs in the in the world. Yeah, but you look at it like this, right? Like. You buy players like take Barcelona bought Dembele right for all that money. They expect Dembele to continue the trend that he was going at Dortmund. You buy a player like that to participate in a league like this, and he doesn't pan out. Yeah, what do you do next? Right, you got to go sell that player and try to buy another player. And some of the players that you find on some of these smaller clubs, you know, like a Virgil Van Dyke that's at like Southampton you're not going to be able to find them because or it's going to be harder to find them because, you know, they're not playing against the same level of competition. West Brom, they're only going to be playing against Huddersfield town, like teams like that. And it's like, how do I find these players? How are these players exposed? And like, how do you, how do you develop your young players? Well, not even, not to mention the fact that right now, Barcelona has to pretty much, like they're to the point where they might have to sell their like their stadiums and some of the shirt like Messi's gonna have to start signing like crazy to sell some jerseys to be able to pay some of the debt that they have. Like Barcelona's in a massive you state can't of even debt. Buy anybody. No. <laughs> Last player to be be bought by uh, Barcelona, Martin Bretwife. Like <laughs> let 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 that name sink and, in. And that was a that was a sketchy buy too. Yeah. Let that name sink in as your number nine, right? You you can't buy a goal in in Copa del Rey matches. Like you're waiting on the other teams to make massive mistakes at the like 80th minute to be able to score a goal. But it, it's clearly a money grab. It has zero to do with development. Um, and then not let's we're not even necessarily going to get into the idea of the of a coach that clearly doesn't want to promote youth players. Um, I mean. I mean, Barcelona has youth talent on their team. They have the supposedly the best academy in the world, right? But they don't promote their own players. No. They, got, they, they sell them off and then have to buy them back. Back, yep. Which to me makes no sense, right? No. Like, same thing with United. Like, you sell Pogba to Juventus. Or he, went, he left on a free. He had to pay all this money for him back. Yeah. Like, let let it pan out a little bit. Let it just play out. Yeah, there's just no there's no room for development here, and and the answer isn't playing on the second team. Barcelona B, it's not a good level. No, like it's, it's a they beat up on all their teams, and the kids get to the first team. Now they've got to play in the Champions League in these competitions. And if you put them in a European Super League, 
you're going to have a fraction of players that make that step. Like Mbappe or Haaland are two players that make that step immediately and don't drop off. But you look at other players like a Phil Foden. Yeah, but Mbappe had to. Mbappe was playing in Monaco and playing in European competitions in Monaco before PSG bought him. Mbappe right. was playing. Monaco was playing for Mbappe, right? <laughs> because he was all that they had. Yeah, but and, you but you need you need to you need to be able to have that that environment, or else it doesn't work, right? I mean, right. Holland Holland has to play Europa League at Salzburg in order for Dortmund to go and buy him. Right. And that's you know that's to say like what does the Premier League look like if six teams leave? And yeah. I guess the question is you look at the t- if you look at the top six right now in the Premier League, it's a couple big name clubs that aren't in that top six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like so, so it's all of a sudden is, is Leicester in is Leicester in this uh in this European Super League? That's what I'm saying, right? And they probably don't have the financial capability. No way. To be able to I mean, Liverpool doesn't even have the finances. They don't even like spending the finances on this kind of stuff. But it's like, what does Chelsea say since they're not in the top six right now? Yeah, but I mean, I guess that's the point of, you know, giving giving clubs billions of dollars to be a part of this league. You're like, all right, here, we're going to give you a billion dollars. Go buy whoever you want. No FIFA fair play. No, none of that. Like you gave you Chelsea $300 million and you see what they did with it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and they're so fired. Imagine giving somebody a billion dollars. They do what Chelsea did. You know, just boot them from the leagues and like ask for a billion dollars back. Yeah, it's just never going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. I just, I hope I just, again, it just becomes the idea of the selfishness and the business of it instead of, of the game. It, it's not a good look for, for kids um, to, to watch. I don't, I don't think so. It's going to yeah, spew the whole, the whole system. Yeah. All right. Player of the match. Do you have a player of the match this week? Yeah, I do. Uh, okay. Good of the match. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> From City. Okay. He bought, I mean, they played West Brom. Granted, West Brom is terrible. Uh, True. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne, De Bruyne is out. Probably the reason why he's starting. Like, we get it. But he bought out on yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Like, I, it, sometimes it seemed like he was the only player on the pitch just because of the energy he brought in. Like, he was just going to the tackles. One of the goals he scored, it was just a pure, I want the ball more than you, and I'm going to score it. So, that's my player of the match. He, he balled out. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, mine is, uh, I think you already know who I'm going with. Yes, my sir. Uh, my boy, Ricky Pooch. So Ricky Pooch, uh, last weekend playing Elche. Uh, Frankie the Young scores a goal, um, an interesting goal at that. Uh, basically, it was already going in. He kind of just taps it in. Um, but... In the 87th minute, Ricky Pooch comes on. And Elche at this point is just bombing forward, trying to press press Barcelona as much as possible. And Ricky Pooch goes, you know what? Coleman, you're going to give me three minutes as of the throwaway three minutes? It's all right. Don't worry about it. Three minutes is all I need for me, who is the shortest player on the field at that point, to score my first official goal with Barcelona. 89th minute in two minutes or three minutes, uh, Ricky Pooch scores his goal. Free header. Off of header. Not only that, 
the best part about it, the absolute best part about it, which I think sends a higher message to anybody, is how the players surrounded him. Yeah. How Sergio Busquets surrounded him after the goal to basically go, listen, man, like that was awesome. Sergio Busquets knows the process. Like that's that's you sending a message to to everybody going like this kid is it. Put this kid on. Trust the like Sergio Busquets, right? Trust the process. Like, and I, I get mean, it. And I get it. Ricky's been playing it in the Copa del Rey, but sixty four minutes in, he gets subbed out every time. It's like how did I, I just Bar- hope he. I hope he can find consistency. But that's my player of the match. This week. How did Barcelona like you know Barcelona paid five million euros for Pedri? How did they discover who Pedri was? They played him right and now. Pedri's yeah. like, don't take him off the, the starting yeah. eleven, right? That's the same thing they did with Ricky Pooch in the restart last year, and then they get a new manager, and he's all of a sudden not playing them, like. If you look at the restart at Barcelona's games, Ricky Pooch was nasty. Like he was just oh, yeah. tearing teams apart. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, so that's my player of the that's match. That's like the world, that's like the question for the world. Why doesn't Ricky play more? Like everybody yeah. wants to know it. Like it's crazy when you get on ESPN and they're asking that stuff. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you turn on Bean Sports, it's all Ray Hudson talks about. Like, why is it Ricky playing? Yeah, why isn't Ricky playing? All right. Um on this day in soccer history. Okay, on this day in soccer history, we got a little two for one, and they lead right into each other. So, January 29th, 1949. Okay, January 29th, 1949, the FA Cup was was being played, and Yeovil Town, Yeovil Town, beat the Almighty Sunderland. That's not, not Sunderland till I die. Third Division Sunderland. Sunderland from the 1949s, which was uh, one of the one of the powerhouses back in that day, uh, beat him two to one in the FA Cup. Here's the interesting part about it. So we're talking 1941 or 1949. In 1949, there wasn't subs really. There wasn't subs until like the 60s, right? So so you had 11 players. So 10 minutes in, Jack uh, Hargreaves from Yeovil Town. Gets injured. So all of a sudden, now you're playing Sunderland. And now, hold on. I'll mention that Yeovil Town is a team from the Southern League. So not even part of whatever the Premier League was called back in that day. So not not even at the top club. You're talking, you know, third or fourth division. Um, so no subs. Seventeen In front of 17,000 people, um, Yeovil Town wins. Now, Yeovil Town two weeks later, and this is how we tie into the next on this day in soccer in day in history. Uh, Yeovil Town two weeks later will go play in the fourth round or the next round of the DFA uh, Cup. They'll play Manchester United. Manchester United beat them eight nothing. Um, but this leads us into Manchester United, which Manchester United had a player retired. Well, he wasn't playing Manchester United, but. A historic United player in 2016 retired, Nevaya Vidic. Center back. Who was one of the all-time great center backs of Manchester United. Retired in 2016. Now he he played for uh 
for for Manchester United for a long time, and then in 2014 he went on to Inter, and then he retired from Inter after suffering some injuries and things like that. But what was really interesting is in Manchester United when he was playing there in the 2008-2009 season, he was part of the record-breaking team of 14 consecutive uh, clean sheets. And then that year he was the, awarded the Premier League Player of the Season award. And then three years later, in the 2011-2012 season, he was given that award again, making him the only defender to ever win the Premier League Player of the Year award twice. And there's only two other players who have ever won that award twice in general. Do you want to take a guess as to who they were? Yeah, my uncle was one of them. Yep. And Ronaldo was the other one. Yeah, Thierry Henry was one, and Cristiano Ronaldo was the other. So, Nemaya Vidic, number three on that list, and also the first defender. You guys, make sure you take notes on that, because that's definitely like a million-dollar trivia question, like, somewhere. Yeah, who's the first defender to have ever... Who's the only player? Like, you name Ronaldo, you name Henri, you say, who's the only other player to win the Player of the Season Award twice? Yeah, Nemaya Vidic. You didn't say like Wade Rudy, you go Robin Van Persie, like you know those kind of guys. Yeah, you're not gonna think of Vintage. You might you're not thinking of Vintage. Ferdinand, like there's a million guys you'll guess before him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, fair play of the week. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first because mine's kind of funny. Uh, my fire play of the week is gonna go to. Um, I just had it. I just had it. Oh. Jordan and PSG put out another collab. You know, Sebastian, <laughs> I've been chirping like, let's go to Jordan. Let's go to Jordan. Let's switch. So Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne is fighting to become the first youth soccer club in Jordan, in Jordan gear. Sponsored by Jordan. No, the collab, dude. I like, I, I just love like the creativity that there is. It kind of gives a relevance of like European style soccer to America where we can relate because just because of it's Jordan and like the apparel that comes with it, people kind of buy it. You see people walking around with PSG jerseys, like, just, yeah, like, I just I don't understand, but but so but Jordan's owned by Nike, right? But it's not a Nike. It's like sponsorship. It's a Jordan sponsorship. Yes, but there's nobody else in the entire. I, I mean, I, I'm there. I'm sure there might be, but I don't think there's anybody else out there wearing Jordan. No, I know Neymar was debuting some cleats a couple years ago, but I don't think there's anybody else. So that's that's the question is, is why why PSG and why nobody else? Not so much why PSG, but why nobody else? So uh, I mean we could we could try it. Listen, we can Charlotte. Is it Charlotte getting the team? MLS team? Yeah. There you go. Maybe. Right down um, the street. Yeah. So all right, that's cool. Um, all right. So my fair play of the weekend, I texted you, uh, I texted you my fair play of the week as soon as it happened. Um, so I'm watching the Barcelona game against Rayo Vallecano. Uh, and they pan at one point, they pan to Ronald, Ronald Koeman and the entire Barcelona staff. And I'm watching the game with both my kids. Uh, and my daughter Lila turns to the TV and for the 30 seconds of soccer, she actually pays attention to 
it just happened to be that moment. And she turns around and goes, why aren't you sitting there? You're a coach. That looks like a coach. You should be on that field. Um, so the fair play of the week goes to, to my daughter, Lila, for, for putting a smile on my face to make me think I could be a Barcelona coach. I mean, imagine if she watched the Marine Tottenham game. Yeah. So we could we could live right there. You could just walk to practice. <laughs> yeah, right. If I'm coaching a Marine. <laughs> um yeah. So so the fair play of the week goes to Lila for uh for a, a recognizing the fact that they panned to the coach and they and she recognized uh she recognized the levels of soccer stadiums. She she recognized the the uh the bench right away and she recognized the coaching staff right away, differentiated between that and the players. Uh, but not only that, put that together to be like, you should be there. You should go coach there. That's your, that's just, that's like where we go watch you play. Or yeah. Coach. That's like you, you, she's like, make sure you put your coach shirt on and go. <laughs> looks like, that looks like middle town village. You should go out there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, that was pretty funny. It was pretty cool. Um, I'm also getting, I'm also getting Ethan to start yelling out Harry Kane as loud as he possibly can whenever he watches soccer. I'm trying to instill that in him um, <laughs> because because I just think that the word or the, the combination of the name just to yell out Harry Kane uh, yeah. just flows really well together. So he just goes out going, Harry Kane, Harry Kane. I feel sorry for his discovery program coaches. <laughs> if he just starts yelling Harry Kane. They're going to be like, Sebastian, why does your son just yell out Harry Kane? all the time ball hurricane (laughs) (laughs) oh man i just want him to i want to you know how when you play world cup you're supposed to shout the name of a country or something like that when he's He's gonna just yell out harry kane he's just gonna yell out harry kane he's gonna go to soccer camp and yell out harry kane and get eliminated and be like why (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is what i was brought up on (laughs) yeah harry kane uh so yeah um so um Make sure you uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Delaware Union, on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer, and on Twitter at D Union Soccer. Dwayne, episode 31 was awesome. Absolutely. Shout out to Bastian Schweinsteiger again. That's right. Uh, episode 32. My, my, we might get the return of a guest or, or one of our hosts. One of our hosts might make his return. So um, there, there's that, that's all we're going to say. That is absolutely all we're going to say. Uh, Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. (music) 